Hey awesome listeners, before we dive into today's episode, I've got a small request. If you're enjoying the podcast, could you take just a moment to go and rate and review it on whatever podcast platform you're using? It costs nothing, it takes a brief moment, but it really means the world to us. Your feedback helps other people discover the show, so if you can hit that review button, share your thoughts, it's quick, it's free, but it really does make a huge, huge difference to what we're doing. Now let's jump into today's episode. to the Forest School Podcast with Lewis Ames and Gemma Southerden. He does not get it. Oh. Is it too cold to talk? Is it too cold to it's talk? It's not too cold to talk, is it? No. No. I don't think so. But it is cold. It's rainy. It's well, rainy. I'm extra cold because uh, I'm, I wasn't anticipating coming in straight in today, mm-hmm. so I'm in jeans and barefoot shoes which are all of about two millimeters thick mm. you're in your nice boots i'm in my boots but i've still got really cold feet um and yeah and it's cold it's cold it's cold and cold and damp you said yesterday dark. this is winter it like ha- it was a it revelation hit. to you it's, you just yeah. went lewis this is winter <laughs> <laughs> yep. it was because it was like a mind and body uh memory like it was like a uh, sense and brain perception thing or an oh yeah this is what it's like for like six months and you were like not six months but it is i'm afraid to tell you it's six months i think it's like it was november december january february march april may yeah it's not seven months i'm afraid of this naked trees you can see out of the forest so it feels like oh i'm a bit in a goldfish bowl somebody's turned that, that somebody's turned this on having a real mardy mar- week and they've gone do you know what those guys are those guys are real laugh they're a cheery. Guess what, guys? It's darkness. I was in a better mood when I drove in this morning. <laughs> yeah, I because was you were blaring like happy hardcore I when was... you arrived. <laughs> Got out of the car like a little forest Look. gnome. <laughs> Look, let's play a bit. For no, because we'll get in. What? Uh, oh, what? I won't like it. You were... yeah? Just look. <laughs> Listen. Oh no, I don't want slamming Raga, and I don't want. No, hang on. Look. <laughs> Okay, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. See, but, but you feel worried. better now. I feel so much better now. Like, I... <laughs> Weirdly, like ne- you never seem older than when you play me music. But there's something about your music is very, like, childish, oh, rave culture yeah. And there's something about you being in, like, essentially a people carrier, but turning up with that music, like, yeah, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Okay, you've got four car seats in your car, Gemma. There's, there's crisps not, under the seat. Yeah, but I'm not trying to be cool. It genuinely makes me happy. If I was trying to be cool, I definitely wouldn't do that. Um, but now, like... My heart's beating faster. I'm smiling. Oh, there we go. Happy. If it works for you. There you go. That's what everyone needs to do before recording a podcast. Listen to a bit of Venetian Snares. I go the other way. I have to listen to any of the, like... Classical music. L- no, lo-fi hip-hop. Uh, you know, they're like... Yeah. Because oh, my children are very small and very noisy. Yeah. And what they want is consistent and uh everything so to just be like ah there is music and it requires like none of my thing yeah eric, i was telling my wife about eric satie who invented furniture music mm. in paris which he, he was like the first person to come up with music that he didn't want you to listen to 
background. In the background. Because oh, up until then, it was like yeah. music's so rare that yeah. the fact that someone was playing it live, you would be like, oh, I must mm. sit and this is costly and this mm, is, yeah, you know, yeah. a rarity. So you'd listen to it. Um, he also had two grand pianos, one on top of the other. <gasps> so that in his apartment in Paris. But his neighbours were pleased. Mental. I think he was in that pre-war, like, everyone take all the, you know, do you want some heroin from the corner shop kind of era? <laughs> oh, yeah, that brigade. What? I don't know about that brigade. Like, you know, like, pre-World War One, there used to be, there was a thing um, where they would, it was like a care package you could send to your, like, someone you knew who was on the front. Right. And it was like a bit of morphine, right. some um, cocaine, um, a little a little bit of heroin if they want, you know, like, really? it, as opi- it was opiates, I think, were big. Yeah. Um, it was. I think it's called like the Great Binge, or something. It's like a period of history. Loads of art, music came out of it. Loads of po- romantic poetry, all of this stuff. Right. Have we cheered people up now? From happy, tele- happy days. So that's the happy end days. of that little run. Is if you're sad about winter, yes. get yourself some opiates. Get yourself some opiates. Listen to <laughs> some rave don't, don't, music. Don't. Yes. Or do. Or don't. Do. Are we do whatever you That's need. Fine. Do whatever you do need. Do whatever you need. What are we talking about? Today we are talking about an author called Ross W. Green, PhD. And I have read for the third time The Explosive Child, A New Approach for Understanding and Parenting Easily Frustrated, Chronically Inflexible Children. And you have read... I have read Lost and Found. I can't remember what the subtitle tagline bit is but it is his third book so the explosive child was first and then i think he wrote the second one is lost in school Mm -hmm. yeah and then this one lost and found is about not necessarily school settings although spoiler it's definitely about school settings Mm -hmm. um and sort of tying together bits so he seems like i think this i really like this when authors put out a piece of work or a theater like a system and then Maybe maybe this is just how they stay in in money, but um, they then like in a couple of years go like here's the feedback I've got from yeah, yeah. from more people who <clears> tried <throat> it. Yeah. Um, and they do that, and then so Lost and Found is like, as far as I'm aware, his most recent version of like I've taken on board stuff. This is what I recommend now, um, and I quite like that about adaptive practice. I think anything like this, kind of system of looking at behavior because it is mostly looking at behavior and needs mm. um but i think anything that you don't update <laughs> yeah. needs to go in the bin quite quickly oh it's like a shift and focus as well isn't it so i don't necessarily think from what we've talked about already that the approach is updating but it's like this the explosive child is very much from a kind of parent point of view yeah whereas often found sounds like it's more from a like educator and i think yeah i think it first explosive child was parent lost in school <clears> was purely in school mm-hmm. and that this one is like a mix of both mm-hmm. um and it i think it's the mo- from what i've heard it sounds like it's the most relevant to us cool. in our setting because we sit in that middle ground yep. thing of being you know not a school but not yeah parents yes um but we are yes. role models and caregivers yes and he's got a cool website called livesinthebalance.org and mm. it's a not-for-profit that he runs. And their little blurb uh, says, if we handle kids with power and control, that's what we get back. But what happens if we collaborate with them as partners instead? Lives in the Balance is devoted to moving things in that very direction. Our model is life-changing. Our programmes are life-saving. Our research is compelling. 
Um, so it's sort of like, uh, in a way, you might say it's quite a basic uh, approach, and it mm-hmm. ties very much in with um, Alfie Cohn and mm-hmm. uh, non-violent communication approaches. It sort of all connects up, I feel, with all it's of a, those different American practitioners, don't you think? It does, yeah. I was impressed at the end of <laughs> this book he said a thing that I had been thinking the whole way through where he went this is very similar to Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg mm. but and um, I'll kind of I think we'll talk about it for later on but he said like and it's different in this way and this way and this way and I was like yeah you've kind of hit on something there and I'm glad that you I'm it's, there's something that strikes me a bit weird when people claim to have invented the wheel with yeah. stuff like this when they're yeah. a bit like I've come up with this new it's all about the cloud yeah. system and I know the cloud... and then there's like a little TM after the name of the approach oh. yes the approach the approach TM shh if you know there's something we're approach. talking about TM there's something approach and I've, I've, I've done this and it's my idea and now you have to pay me loads of royalties um, which yeah he doesn't do and um, uh, yeah but if you read things like, um, what was I going to read? Like, he's basically saying on this on his website as well that uh, behaviourally challenging children are often the re- recipients of the most inhumane, controlling, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, un- like thoughtless I think kind one of, of the things by that, adults. One of the things that struck me is like, uh, it is one of those books that makes you think about uh, and I think there has been a move in lots of school educators that I've talked to, but I would say, I would have said when I was teaching and possibly before, um, the idea, if you thought about your behavior policy in quotes, that is a document that is only thinking about difficult behavior mm. or like challenging behavior or naughty behavior, you know, that's not a thing. No, whereas I think. <clears throat> And I hope this, and I think this is a good move. More people now are considering behaviour to be everything. That mm-hmm. is your top performing students. That is your the mucky middle. Some people call them, and and that is all behaviour. I think, and I think this book kind of speaks a little bit to that. In that, it is thinking about children who need help mm-hmm. and support, but not in a way of like, how do you curb it? How do you? Mm. And there was. Go on. <clears throat> Um, well, I was just going to say that um, what I like about this book is that he um, is is very honest, but it's very compassionate. So he talks about how he kind of gets quite quickly down to um, whether or not he's talking about um, children, young people with um, diagnoses mm-hmm. of stuff going on. Right. And he says, well, yes, this is including those children but also including not those children and actually it doesn't really matter what the diagnosis is because your approach is what matters um, and there are ways to adapt the approach depending on the needs of the child mm. but we're cu- it's almost like well say you get you get your diagnosis of autism whatever and rather than just going Right, well, it's it's the autism, so yeah, yeah. it's the autism, right and that's, you know, that's what it is now, that's what yeah. it is, um, that you actually go, well, I have a big role to play in how I help this child and how I communicate with them, and it almost doesn't matter what the diagnosis is, it's about finding out what the child's problem is and working with them collaboratively to mm. solve it, um, and 
it's very uh, it's sort of about uh, readdressing the power dynamic yeah it's there. quite empowering isn't it it really is and it's um so the kind of crux of it is uh, i don't know whether if i talk about like yeah, 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 book, yeah. and then you tell me if it's the same in the um uh, lost and found one so uh, he describes first of all taking the child in question, which well, for for whom this child is not things aren't going great. So they mm-hmm. might be uh, regular meltdowns or uh, violence, aggression, dysregulation, um, dysregulation. Um, and he said he describes there's a case studies in there as well. There's case studies and there's also little um, narratives about two different families. One right. who's got um, a single mother with a teenage son for things uh, for whom things are going very badly at the moment um and another family who are fi- you know finding it difficult with uh older daughter and a younger son mm-hmm. and um so every so often he flips back to this narrative so that you can kind of relate it right. to an, a narrative version of it which is quite nice um but he first of all advises doing an alsop which mm-hmm. is an audit yep. of lagging skills and unsolved problems. So uh, he describes that feeling you might get as a parent or an adult working with a young person where everything is overwhelming and you're like, I just can't move forward. Every time I try and do something, they kick off. Mm-hmm. You know, every time we do this, this happens. Blah, 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 just And it's completely out of nowhere. I can't identify the triggers. It's completely irrational, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, just put all that to one side for a second and sit down. And if you have a co-parent or a colleague or whatever, um, then um, do it together. And you're writing down when these things happen and you describe it as a difficulty. So you mm-hmm. reframe your language, which really helps you to reframe your approach to it. So it wouldn't just be like, always kicks off when we arrive at football practice. Mm. You'll be like, okay, no, that's, that's a, I'm, I'm sort of describing that with my own emotions rather mm-hmm. than looking at it objectively. So in fact, you try and get to the crux of what the difficulty is. So difficulty getting out of the car football mm-hmm. practice or difficulty putting football boots on when we get to football you know really yeah. hit on it um, and go through that for everything and you might end up with quite a long list of difficulties yeah um and he's got some lagging skills got a list of lagging skills to look at and it mm-hmm. might be like um difficulty with transitions would mm-hmm. be a very common lagging skill um or difficulty communicating at this time or whatever yeah. um so you get this list and then you pick your top three that are the most difficult for you at the moment as a family um and then you decide to ignore everything else apart from those top three for yeah. now and you focus on the top three and then you he starts talking about plan a plan b and plan c mm-hmm. and plan a is that very traditional adult in control author- authoritarian listen to me child you're doing this and it's wrong and i'm going to punish you or i'm going to tell you what's what um sanctions sanctions rewards punishments any you know sticker charts all of that stuff is plan a yeah. and so he's very clear that like this book this approach is for uh, children and adults for whom plan a has not worked and he keeps bringing in these like um questions like made up questions from right. hypothetical parents going but but what if you know i need my child to understand boundaries or i need my child to listen to me it's like it isn't about not having boundaries it isn't about not having discipline it isn't about not having respect actually you've got way more control when you take this plan b approach that he describes which is that you don't go in all guns blazing and be like i'm the adult you go in with this question i've noticed you have difficulty getting out of the car for practice what's up yeah. And and then he did, and it's a it's almost like a kind of counselling or like talking therapy yeah, it's like approach, a counseling isn't, it? Framework, isn't it? Yeah, and so and then he describes how to get more information out of the child through drilling and gives lots of example conversations so you can see where it's coming from, um, and then you try and agree a mutually uh, 
beneficial, mutually, yeah. whatever the word is, uh, plan of action. And mm. it might not work first time and you might need to try something else. Um, but it's it's really good. And then he kind of also talks about, you might read it and go, oh, that's all very well, but actually I, I've got a child in mind who isn't able to verbally communicate in that way. And so he actually does go into detail about, um, about children who might be non-verbal or have um, lagging communication skills and other yeah. approaches using pictures and diagrams and stuff. Um, and it is just really good. It's like so compassionate. And mm. this is the third time I've read it. And I say, each, I think each time I've read it, a new penny has dropped and I've gone, mm. ah, like as I meet more children and read other stuff that connects into it, I think. Um. Find out about CPD courses at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details. Is that, is that yeah, so there were bits. So there were bits of it. I think my first. Uh, I'll try and remember that in in the right order. So as I was going through the first bit, I felt listening to the book um, that uh, it was a little bit. Preaching to the converted in that it's it's for me because it was lots of stuff which I was interested that it was in his third book because he's obviously written it thinking people could read this book standalone as well. So a lot of the beginning of this one was like um, he kept he kept using the phrase children do well when they can, right? Which is this massive thing which I've already I've already internalised. But I get that if you're reading this for the first time. And you're picking this book up as a like, you know, a, a last resort. I need help. You know, somebody hands you the book at a parents meeting or whatever. And they go try this and do whatever. And so, the first bit to me felt really like laboured. And I did put the book on quite fast because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm already on board with this. He talks about it being skills. Um, he does say that he, in this one, he talks about what he did in the explosive child and says about the categories of like difficulty with mm-hmm. transition difficult and he mm-hmm. said he's scrapped that since oh, okay. he now says that everything is so far he's found that things are either in multiple categories mm-hmm. or they're not actually in any of those categories mm-hmm. and he said people he found that people were using that old <laughs> report mm-hmm. as a like checklist yeah. uh, or uh, either to decide importance right. or to go they've got five things wrong with uh, you know, five difficulties with transition. Mm. So we must work on transition rather than going, actually, right. do you know what secure relationships might be? Uh-huh. A really important thing to get first, but that's only one incident every week. And so mm. he said he found it easier just to completely wipe that. And that's so it's now very, very minute, detail, you know, yeah, minutiae yeah, yeah, yeah. of like, it is going from maths to PE when they are next to Josephine. Yes. Right? Or something that, like, you get into... It's that thing. Yeah, and And the approach is quite similar because then that feeling of, like, being overwhelmed, going, it's it's just all the time, it's unmanageable. And then when you write it down, you go, oh, hang on a minute, it is actually quite predictable Mm. a lot of the time. It is this, and it might take you a while of getting there. But, yeah, that's interesting. Um, And then... um, I'm trying to think what the next bit was. Um... It was just kind of the thing that I thought was really interesting about this book was it's very a little a bit like you we've said a lot. The good thing about okay not to share is that it gives you that kind of script and yeah. it gives you lots of questions. It gives you lots of examples, um, and this one has the same thing down to like here is a script. Mm-hmm. And he, um, you and I have talked about when we did our 
uh, first aid training, mm-hmm. the people that we do our first aid training with, are really good at going, okay, A, everyone practice A. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about B. So go and practice A, B. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to do C. Everyone go practice A, B, C. So when you're doing first aid, you end mm-hmm. up starting every role play by the end of the day mm-hmm. with like gloves, hazards, yeah, yeah, yeah. doing this, you know, because you've built it up. And he does that in this book of going like, here's step one of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play that out for you with this child. And I'm going to play it out for you and this child. And then he explains the next bit. And he goes, let's hear it all together. Yes. He let's hear A and yeah, B. Yeah. And then you do that. Um, and I think one of the really interesting bits for me was in that script, how much he emphasises like, one, not going in with a preconceived idea of what even what because he's like if you go in with an idea even if you think your idea is compassionate and built on needs that's still a plan a yeah because you've gone in with it and you know where the discussion's going in and he's saying you genuinely need to go in with maybe some ideas but complete you know and this is where i think it goes into that forest school thing of like we go in with a plan but we're very comfortable with the plan not going where we think we're all equal participants and in the behavior he's saying you won't get his his big thing um in in the one that i was reading was kind of like hidden information Mm -hmm. and like emphasizing like you can guess at what you think the need is and what you think the um for lack of a better word like triggers are Mm -hmm. but unless you involve that person you know, he has lots of stuff where he's like, so-and-so doesn't like being at the front. Uh, she pushes when she's in the line mm-hmm. because she's got a real thing about being in the front of the line. And then you talk through and he's, and she's like, well, when I'm in the front of the line, the person behind me is this person and they always step on my shoes. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I would never have got that if I didn't have it. And if you go in with your preconceived like, well, I think if you stood with me at the back, then you would be, you know, um, which I think... It is the bit that's missing from a lot of like behavior policies mm-hmm. is it, it becomes very top down because it's just very preventative isn't it and very kind of like yeah yeah paternalistic when actually you can through this approach you're doing two things at once you're kind of trying to solve the problem in the end hopefully mm. but you're also teaching the skills needed so that the young person can do it for themselves and learns about themselves for when that adult isn't there so through that process of communication back and forth trying to get to the root of the problem you are teaching that skill you know you're kind of building the foundations for that young person to be able to do that for themselves yeah there was one bit i thought was interesting i don't know if it's in your book so because it might be more of a teacher educator bit Mm. um but I think this is where it differs slightly from nonviolent communication, which was, so the way they describe the conversation going is, you know, describe incident, you know, you're having difficulty getting out of the car. At, mm-hmm. at what's up with that? And he says, leave it with what's up with that. Mm-hmm. Let, give them space to talk. Talks about different ways to give them space to talk. And then he says, the next step is you voicing your concerns yep. or, the, or the teacher voicing their concerns. Um, but he says that the concerns should be related for that person. So if it's in a classroom setting, the concern can't be, I have to teach a lesson. Mm. The concern has to be, I'm concerned that you'll miss out on the yeah. information if you're doing yeah. X. Yeah. Which is where I think it differs, because it's not then, you're not saying you should have empathy for me, the mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. You're just saying all of this is resolve, revolving around you yeah. and your needs. Yeah. 
and my concern is only for your needs or the only concerns mm. I'm going to tell you about right now for your needs which I thought was interesting what about the next step though when he's describing um, trying to come up with ways to solve the problem because in this book he will say uh, say the child goes well um, he gives an example of two brothers that are playing with cars in the playroom and they keep fighting and one of them and one of the other brothers is like well uh, he keeps touching my stuff mm. and the parents like but we we agreed that the stuff in the playroom didn't belong to you or the other kid it's like joint stuff uh he keeps touching stuff that i'm still playing with okay well what what are you still playing with everything i'm still playing with everything mm. and so the parent does say well you know what's the solution he's like well i i get to play with all the toys and my brother mm. doesn't and so obviously that would suit that, that solution would suit that child, but it wouldn't suit yeah. the other child or the parent. So the parent does go, oh, I'm, you know, I am concerned that that, that isn't going to help mm. your brother out. So in the, what does it say about that? If the well, child so comes up with an idea that is actually not mutually agreeable well, I think to there's the two, adult. I think there's two bits to that. One is that the examples in the book in Lost and Found are very much based on, there are two parties. One is an adult, one is a child okay. and it doesn't, really as far as i remember touch on peer-to-peer mm. mediating okay it's more about like you the you know it, it's kind of set up in that way of like get them in 10 minutes early to the head teacher's office and have this discussion yeah there and in, in in that thing um they do talk about them being um sustainable and achievable mm-hmm. so saying like oh i'll just sit next to mike but i won't talk yeah, and yeah, go yeah. and then you go well, I'm not sure that's a realistic, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. thing to do. I wonder if there's anything else we could do. Um, it's an interesting one, though, about using it as mediation. Because I guess you could say, in that scenario, I guess if you were trying to go, my concern is for you, mm. you go, oh, my concern would be that if you are playing with all of the things, that will make brother mm-hmm. upset, and then they might, hit mm. you, hurt, say something mean, mm. um, break your toys. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want that to happen to mm. you and your toys. Mm. So how do we... Because then that's, mm. that is relating. But do you know what I mean about... the? It, it becomes quite a selfish... Mm. Ex- it's quite a, quite a self-centred exercise. But whether that's good, because you're like, this is a process that is solely around your needs. Well, yeah, if you are in a school setting... So this book it you know touches on things like like fairness like making mm. sure that things are are fair and it very clearly says that doesn't necessarily mean the same or mm-hmm. equal so it has a really lovely chapter on um sibling relationships and what it's like to live in a family with uh, a child who faces a lot of behavioral challenges and a, and a child or other children who don't mm-hmm. and so how you parent in that way and you've got one child who's like Hang on, they get all the. They're like the naughty one in inverted commas, mm-hmm. and they get all the attention. And how come they well, get more of the time? Well, that's a common complaint, isn't it? Not just from children, parents as well. And exactly. And if you're in a school setting, you know it's it's really hard to then talk about like fairness because there you've got thirty of those mm. little, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. imbalances and um, different approaches, haven't you? So to turn around to a kid who's having facing a lot of challenges and go, well, if I let you do that, it's not really fair to the class. It's not going to help them. Like, it's all, mm. they're already... Things are already stacked against them, aren't they? So I can kind of see why that approach in a school setting might be more just about the child. Like, we're just going to talk about you because 
it's too massive. It's like massive mm. for the teacher to consider all the needs of the class, let alone that that kid. Because if yeah, you say, yeah. well, that's not fair on Bill at the back of the class because he, you know, can't he's yeah. visually impaired, and it's not fair on Jenny who sits next to you because she has sensory issues. And, yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? It's just like whoa. That's too much empathy <laughs> yeah. for somebody who, if we're thinking that empathy. And that theory of mind stuff comes in at about six, seven years old to go straight from you can think of nobody's experience but your own to now consider your class of 30 and your school of 100 whatever. Yeah. That's one of the things I remember from teaching. And I I still think about schools is like it's too much Mm. that all the, you know, schools are really big on like building community and building that feeling of like we're together we're and and that's often the reason given for like uniform or for school assemblies but if you think about it as a skill it's way too massive mm. to go to go that you know you think a proportion of people uh, coming into year 1 let's say have difficulty controlling their own impulses mm. and then you go i'm going to try and instill in you a sense of empathy and theory of mind of this you know yeah. Small Devon village school, hundred children, mm. massive three form entry. It's school. not real, is it? It's, it's just it's pretend. It's You've just got people to conform to a certain wind. like behavioural expectation, but it isn't actually founded on real because it can't be. You can't have empathy no. for that many people. You can't have an understanding. I of don't. That. People are not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like that. Uh, you know. And also that thing about um, so with a parent child relationship where you're living with a child. Um, that discussion about well yeah i see that that solution might work for you but mm. that doesn't work for me because that's gonna make me feel upset or it's gonna hurt me or like mm. um you can't have that same conversation with a child if you're their teacher because the power dynamic is already oh, yeah. so different so you couldn't really turn around to a kid in your class who is like confiding in you telling you what the problem is and has an idea and then you go that's not really fair on me though is it like mm. that just somehow is really icky like as well, a I parent guess, you I guess can. you might rephrase because I'm trying to think of what examples you would say that's not fair and it would be like if the solution they presented resulted in 30 more hours of work a week for you yeah. or something but then I suppose you would frame that as like I'm not sure that's sustainable yeah for me to do whatever so it's yeah. not about being fair it's just about going yeah. like I might be able to do that for you this week but yeah. I know I can't keep that up. Exactly. And also to relate it back to them as well, just go, well, okay, but that would result in me doing five more hours of work a day, which would mean that when I teach you tomorrow, when I see you tomorrow, I'm going to be absolutely knackered, so I'm not going to be the best teacher I can be for you tomorrow. Mm. Or, um, you know, if... Yeah, re- relating it back to them, that result of, well, when you get upset, you're going to scream in my face for ten minutes until you feel better, that's going to run me into the ground and so I'm not going to be able to keep that up, like you say, being mm. sustainable and then the impact will be back on them rather than, that will really hurt yeah. my feelings and poor me. It's and like I'm you're not being sure... paid to do that job. You can't really say poor me to that kid. Yeah. There's something weird about that. Well, I'm not sure if it's in that book, but um, one of the techniques that they say in the Lost and Found one is lots of like, in that non-violent way of like just repeating back, yes. almost word for word, what's said. Reflective listening. Reflective listening is massive. Yeah. Um, Applications for Forest School Training are now open at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details. But, uh, because nominally we're supposed to be talking about Forest School, um, if, if I was thinking, and I was thinking, like, this is a, you know, I think this could be really useful for, not, again, not just like, oh, the, the ones that are a bit 
tricky sometimes, or the ones that I, I know have obvious um, skill difficulties, mm. but going, this would be a great thing to instill. Um, the Lost and Found one, because it's based around school settings or educational settings, and it talks quite a lot about, like, um, so take, you know, have someone else watch your class while they're doing quiet reading and go and spend 15 minutes having this conversation with a child or, um, you know, get another teacher to do X for you. And he even talks about um, having a dictaphone and recording the conversations you have with the child, partly so that you can, for your own reflective thing. But he then says, if you want to instill this as a practice around the school what you then do at a staff meeting is you play back the recording. Obviously, you get everyone's permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You play back the recording. You're not reviewing the content. You're reviewing how did the educator do. Mm. So everybody sits around and go, did you realise you cut, you cut them off there? Mm. Oh, I, you didn't quite reflect that. And so everybody is then building this skill set. That's like, cool. Which is amazing. Mm. So when I was applying that to what could you and I do, mm. now we've got a massive advantage over a lot of people. There's two of us. Mm. So... um. We do have some more space, I think, to go, are you happy to run this? Mm. I'm going to go. But what I thought was interesting was st- stumbling block one was that we value autonomy and self-direction so highly that I immediately hit that thing of like, well, I'll say to that person, yeah. do you want to come have a chat with me for a minute? And they'll go, no. jog on, mate. <laughs> I'm actually going to go play on this. Th-. You know, yeah. how, how do you... It's mm. it starts with an air of authority authoritarianism to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I want to have this conversation with you, and I will make it happen. Yeah. Well, it also um, this book talks about um, emergency plan B. Yes. 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 So emergency plan. So plan B is uh, scheduling a time with the child to sit down and talk about what's going on. Yeah. Um, and give them some warning of it. Don't just bring it on them. Go tomorrow or Saturday. Is it okay mm-hmm. if we sit down and chat? And they'll look at you like, what the heck? But breaking up with me? Hopefully you'll get (laughs) there. We need to talk. Um, And then, but emergency plan B is how you, like something has happened and you're in the heat of the moment. And obviously it's a heat of Dynamic risk assessment. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he stresses loads of time, you know, this is only in emergencies. Ideally you want to be doing this proactively so that these like flare ups don't happen so often. Um, but sometimes you are going to have to do it in the moment. And that's kind of more what happens um, at Forest School, isn't it? Because it's like mm. something has happened and you have to go and help. And it's ha- it's the words you use and the approach you choose in that moment. And that is often when you do end up in the one-to-one situation with a person who's upset for whatever reason yeah. or out of control, dysregulated. Um, and, that yeah, that's kind of your, your, your sort of chance, isn't it? Mm. Um, but it's an interesting so I was thinking about the analogy of um, uh, John Cree has said to me before about strike when the iron's cold mm. that is the thing yeah. Um, and yeah so uh, we have both semi-regularly ended up in those situations where you go I'm just going to remove this person I'm going to go with them um, we're going to go over there do whatever mm. um, the rate at which different children cool to cold mm. is very different and for some children, so for some children, you might go, this is an explosive dysregulating situation. Uh, either we're going to move everybody else away mm. or I'm going to move you away. Um, and within a couple of minutes of just going, you know, either going, ah, or, you know, going, kick it, I'm going to kick this tree. And then, you know, you realise within two, three minutes, they've actually gone, 
the shoulders have dropped. Mm. They've gone, and you kind of go, okay, now you're cold. Mm. Now we can talk about this thing. And See, some... I'd, I wouldn't take it ever to mean that. I would take it to mean more in this respect, like completely proactively, like when it's miles oh, away. Oh, no, that's what, yeah, you know I, mean, I mean. Not but, afterwards, but like But if we're saying that that's often the situation like, where yeah, we yeah, end yeah, up yeah, in yeah. a one-to-one yeah. conversation, and sometimes you realise you can have that one-to-one, you can have a mm. bit of it, Mm. in that moment of like oh i've ended up one-to-one with you Mm. and you're cold Mm -mm. so like emotionally so um let's have a chat now about Mm. oh that was a bit tricky wasn't it let's have that and some children you go well i've removed you and you have cooled down a bit but you are not in a place to talk to me what you you're ready to go back and be safe and join back in and maybe that's what you need to repair some peer relationships right now But you're in no way cold mm. for me to bring up. See, we were just talking about this before we started recording, weren't we? Mm. Actually, about like the moments you have, um, sort of one to one with children, and you, you suddenly go, "Oh, I hardly ever have any end up having any one to one moments with that child." Mm. And definitely, what you described about going, "Oh, it's ten thirty and it's Tuesday. It's time for my appointment with Billy Bob." Yeah. Um, that's just like that, um, and not Forest School, is it? But you do end up um you know doing the washing up along somebody alongside somebody mm-hmm. or like you quite often go oh you just say to me i'm just gonna go i'm gonna offer to so and so that they come with me and use the power tools over here to to make this thing and i'm just gonna yeah. take them because i feel like they'd really benefit from that and that maybe those moments are it's when like organic it, meetings yeah completely yeah. and it is kind of like and you sort of test the waters a little bit and you're like the the problem with that, I guess, is that that isn't giving them full warning of the scheduled appointment, which is what True. Ross Green says. Because so then they're doing something really fun with you, and then you start bringing up like deep and meaningful stuff, and they're just like, "Holy shit!" Um, so that's obviously not ideal either, is it? But um, but it may happen, and sometimes I've had it where they will mm. say something before you even instigate it, like they wanna they want to talk, um, and especially if you're kind of practicing reflection as a group um often then it's not too weird for them yeah to get into that kind of uh vibe with you well and I was, I was just wondering whether uh so it's not mentioned in lost and found and i think this would be a and i don't think this would work in a school but i think it's a really good um feather in the forest school hat i suppose is that i would say we can have better conversations doing handwork so they would describe a lot of these conversations as like yeah. go into your meeting room or go into the like social emotional um classroom um whatever you know space and you sit down and you, and you kind of with a pen and paper and you do this thing i think we probably have those conversations when we're whittling or when yeah. we're doing stuff with clay planting trees or when we're yeah. not making eye contact definitely and so what we lose in forewarning mm. we gain in uh it's like not being as daunting Mm -hmm. and I think lots more conversation comes out it's a bit like they say if you're gonna confrontational if you're gonna bring up something difficult do it in the car because you're both looking forwards at the road you're not staring across the table at each other definitely um uh and so it's that thing isn't it of like I think a lot of forest school conversations come out when your hands are busy because and there's also it's like it's that thing it's a bit like having background music where you can say like oh yeah that was um when you guys were on the hammocks earlier, that that was a bit tricky, wasn't it? And then go, yeah, or do you want to talk about it for a minute? Nah. And you can just let it go if you're also, you know, because you can just go, oh, 
just going to whip them then for, yeah. for a minute and let them, and then they might come back with I just think the thing is yeah 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 whereas if you're staring at each other across the table or there's just this ticking sound of a clock mm. in the background or something then yeah. then that's really like who's talking yeah why are they talking yeah how long has it been yeah um, so I think that's one thing that I would go oh mm. maybe I just when I'm having those <clears throat> handwork chats I maybe reframe it in my head of like, oh, this is my social and emotional room. Mm. Th- this this whittling tool area yeah. is my yeah. space. Um, it's weird. I just had like a teaching flashback where, um, so in schools I've worked at, someone's doing something that's not not right according to not the school. Not conducive to Not conducive whatever. to learning, not a part of the school rules, whatever. And, uh, and you name and shame them by writing their name on the board. You <laughs> <and> go... <laughs> Please stop swinging in your chair, or stop shouting out, or whatever, or stop pretending to masturbate at the <laughs> table. Stop trying to show that video of the teacher that looks like a porn star to your friend at the back of the class. Stop it. These are all real things. Um, Hang on. You know, Did you say that the right way, right way around? The video of the teacher? Of, no, of the porn star that looks like a teacher. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> Because yeah. the other way around is very different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and they don't stop, so you put a little tick or a little mark by their name. First warning, still carry on. Second warning, right, out you go. Stand outside in the corridor. So the stand outside minutes. in the corridor. I know those kids teach that do minutes. Oh, you get a name and then you get... Minutes can fuck right off, man. That ha- when has that ever ended up? Right, nobody's listening. So that's one minute into break. You've got the, you've got the lesson before break. Yeah. Yes. Nine. And you just break time, what the fuck? Like so then you get no coffee, you get no yeah. fucking break time. You needed a piss and couldn't go anyway. Anyway. Anyhow, um well, we've got, <sighs> do you know what? we've got to stop school school bashing. We've oh, I'm gonna say again, we're very appreciative of school in terms of the people who are working there and like doing everything they can for children and young people. We've been there. Are we? Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> we've been I'm joking. there and uh you know comrades i still it's feel... I've, I've always said this it is the system and yeah. the setup and the things yeah. about school that i don't yeah. know it's never the person in no. there doing it because no. you know a lot of it and becomes self-preservation and, but, but, yeah, yeah we're in a privileged position that we have autonomy over how we work with they've people. all turned it off now we bashed it anyway, so much anyway no just I, it I, I, this wasn't going to be school bashing this is going to be an insightful <laughs> thing about like when you send the kid into the corridor that is the only time you get to have that one-to-one discussion with them about oh. what's up. And I remember at the time thinking, this is kind of interesting because going to stand in the corridor is supposed to be a punishment. It's supposed to mm. be a sanction. It's supposed to... But, like, how, like, I'm not saying it's not effective because often it is effective because they get to cool down, they get to be away from everybody else, the audience is gone, they get to just chill out for a bit and have a bit of breathing space. And then they get some sometimes quite quality, one-to-one, you know, quality comparatively to yeah, yeah. the amount of attention they're going to get in a class of 30. Um, you know, obviously if you go out into the corridor and then blow it all up in their face again, that's not great. But if you go, you know, well, so what was going on there? What, what was happening? Um, that is kind of the you know this approach but not great yeah but that's the kind of only time you really get which is kind of interesting why were you laughing sorry i was laughing because i had a very so there's a series of like social faux pas in a story from my school so i was at grammar school all boys school had a female teacher and she uh we must have been in let's say year nine so what are you in year nine like 14 and she was going around she was looking at everybody's book and she uh, 
she, so she, I don't think she should have said this. She was marking my work, and then she looked at me, and she went, oh, Lewis, you might need a shave soon. Oh, right, because he had those, like, two yeah, little yeah, lines yeah. of hair that grow from the corner of... Yeah. You know. And my friend who was sat next to me, the quickest I've ever heard anyone, went, nah, you need a shave, mate. <laughs> right? And she blew up, right? And, she, and so her sanction was during, um, what do you call it, like tutor time? You know, like yeah. registers yeah. each time. She went, I'm not having you in my classroom. Yeah. Go next door to Mr. So-and-so's room. Yeah. That is where you're going for yeah. registration birthday. That's a sixth form classroom. Right. Right? So my mate, 13, had to walk in mm. and knock on the door and go, Miss says I have to come in here. Mm. And they went, why? And he went, I told her she needed a <laughs> shave. And the room next door erupted of like, Way! what a legend! This kid's the king! Oh and he God. had the best week oh in the other God. class because he was just like, that legend. kid's a legend. Yeah. He told the teacher to shave. <laughs> and, so the, and then oh, he the came. Poor woman. It was poman. Yeah. Um, oh. But I, but I stand by yeah. that she shouldn't have made oh, the comment no to me. No, of course it, she shouldn't. And it was just oh, funny. And I, I don't even think he really thought about it. He just heard the opening and went, I'm just going to say this thing back. Yeah. But it was just, uh, sorry, as you God. were saying, like sending a yeah, kid outside. Um, so, what were we talking about? Um, what were we talking about? Uh, books. The book. The books. And the book. so, um, <laughs> I think it is a, a thing that people who are running forest schools should at least have a look at because I think it is um, I think it's an actionable approach in the way that lots of people and I saw this really recently in a Facebook group somebody said my group have started getting um, quite proficient with fires and something Mm. else Um, does anybody do any like celebrations or certificates for skills Cue the bashing of like fuck you, uh, praise and punishments and and interesting you know um some people that have been on our podcast are then going like I work in um it's Andy can't remember Andy's yes. last name but he was again work from an SEN mm-hmm. you know perspective and it's very elitist because those children might never achieve it and so I think forest schools place blah 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 and, you know I shared Alfie Cohn's book mm-hmm. but Alfie Cohn's one isn't really actionable. And I think one of the things is, like, when that discussion comes up, people are very quick to go, it shouldn't be a place, you shouldn't do the thing. Mm. And I think this could be the actionable approach. Because quite often when people talk about rewards and celebrations and things, they're they're talking about behaviour management. They're talking about how do I encourage (laughs) children that aren't motivated. or Carrots. How how do I do carrots, Mm. right? Um, Because that is a better step than sticks, right? Mm. It's a step forwards but maybe it's not the whole step. Um, whereas I think recommending this book to people would be a way of going, this has got some actionable processes in it. Mm. And if you are in a school setting, you can take it to the school and go, this is, this is, you know, people were saying, oh, how do my management want plans? My management want written up stuff. And you can go, this is the plan I'm going to follow from proving behaviour yes. through forest school. And this yeah, is, exactly. Because you know. forest school is often used as intervention, isn't it? Especially if you're working in a school. Yeah. So you may end up with a group, like a nurture group or a group of children that have been like removed from a classroom specifically for a project or a reason. Um, so, yeah, if you are already in that position where you're working with children who are facing challenges, then this is going to be very helpful to you, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's... <clears throat> I think what I... I know, I said at the start, like, it was a bit preaching to the converted... But sometimes that's good to have a thing that you 
excuse me, you might already have been doing because it's not going to feel like an intrusion when you give it to a head teacher or to a senior leadership team or a line manager or something and go, this is what I'm going to do. Because you're basically going, this is what I was going to do anyway. It just wasn't written in a mm. book. Yeah. Here it is. That meets your needs. Oh, needs. Mm. It's all needs. Of course. This meets my line manager's needs. Yeah, and of... also it's going to help the kid across the board in school as well, isn't it? Because if you're able to have documented what's you know the difficulties that they're facing um lagging the skills. skills this is the thing people are always yeah. like for school i don't have a skills progression mm-hmm. if you were like skills in transition skills in this yeah that's much and going this is specifically what they needed is it time intensive absolutely mm. is it personalized and holistic and you know actually going to do people the world of good yeah mm. absolutely mm. um but it's not i don't think it's going to be easy no, and he does stretch. say that. He keeps saying that in the book. He's like, "These are the problems you may encounter when you're trying to have this like conversation with the child," and they go, "Don't give a shit. Don't care. Yeah. Don't care." And you're like, "Oh, okay. Where do I take that?" So he does. It isn't like a. This will just fix everything. Magic it is, yeah, it, yeah. He does say it is more difficult than plan Plan A, but Plan A wasn't working. So just put that. Yeah. In, you know, you might keep going. Oh, but it's really hard. Oh, but they didn't engage. Oh, but they didn't. Yeah. You're absolutely right. No, they didn't. They didn't the first time. They might have yeah. done. They might do it the fifty-fifth time. But you've already tried Plan A. You've tried the shouting. You've tried the tensions. You've tried taking away their PlayStation, and that didn't work. Do you know if anything, what? It made it worse. That occurs to me. That, so similarly, <coughs> you and I were having a conversation. Having a conversation before we started recording about uh, a group of learners who had had a dysregulated moment, peer to peer, and then later on, you know, as they were sat around having lunch or having whatever, mm-hmm. they would just chewing it over again mm-hmm. and and you were saying you stepped in and just kind of reminded them quite you know openly and going yeah you, yeah you're right and that's and that's gone now isn't it that mm. didn't you know oh yeah you're right that person didn't do that and that's almost what it's like reminding people that like this is hard but plan a wasn't working because yeah. lots of staff rooms i think you'd have similar conversations with people just chewing the cud over mm. of going like yeah and i tried to put his name on the board and he still wouldn't listen mm. and there's n- rarely a voice in those conversations going should we not do it then yeah 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 you know yeah. it's just because it's very cathartic to mm. sit around with lots of other educators and go car yeah person x does y and i have to keep them in for what and everyone goes yeah, yeah when they yeah. were in my class they did the and thing and you know the next thing that happens in those conversations is that then very well meaning myself included absolutely go well, what's the reason then and then stick a label on it so oh do you know what i think it is i heard that their home life is really tricky right now or i heard that someone mm. in their family just died or i think they probably are autistic or blah 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 solve the problem not solve the problem at all. Just stuff yeah. a label on it. It's not my fault. It's no longer really my responsibility because it's that reason I can't do anything about it. Whereas mm. this book is like, yes, and. So therefore, the next thing is, yeah. you can't change that for that child. That is their situation, or that is the way their brain is wired. That doesn't mean you just go, oh, well, shrug your shoulders. They're always going to be difficult, and I can't wait till they're not in my class anymore. Um, that means that you have to significantly look at yourself and adapt your approach to mm. that child because your mainstream standard approach is never going to work. It's not like it just needs time and then it'll work. They'll grow out of it. It won't ever work. So mm. you have to be the flexible one. And what I like about the book as well is that it keeps reminding you, it keeps using this phrase, it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango, either yeah, with yeah. yourself as the adult and the kid or with another child. So you might have a child who's like, you know, shiny halo on and keeps getting... Um, you know challenged by this other child but actually 
they are, they've always got a part to play in it and they're mm. not always going to be there's the shiny a, there's a, an incredible bit um where uh so talking uh, in the lost and found one uh, this might be going backwards in terms of chronology of the book but he's talking about when you do the um oh, i've forgotten the name a also um report and saying that like you write down you don't write the reason down you don't write like mm. the problem is they mm. hit people right that's not a problem the mm. problem is standing in line or um the difficulty <clears> is sorry standing in line or you don't write down like because the thing he's like if it's got a because in it mm. bin it yeah you just write down what is the difficulty so not the resulting behavior not the your guess at a reason blah, blah, blah. and um the oh, i just loved it there's an example in there where he says like the thing is lots of people will say um his his or her challenge is that they just want their own way, mm. right? And he goes, and then he goes, and what you're saying is, I can't get my way mm. because they want their way. And yeah, the, yeah, and I was yeah. like, it's literally you yeah. standing at the front of the class and going, I want it way A. Yeah. And then a kid at the back going, well, I would like it to be B. Yeah. And you're going, what a knobhead, he wants it his yeah, way. Yeah. He, what a, you know, yeah. that is equally you going like, I want it my way and I'm not relenting Completely. on it. Well, there's, um, this, there's this sentence in this book that really made me read it quite a few times. Um, and so after talking about all those, like, difficulty and la-la-la, yeah. lagging skills, he then says, like, near the end of the book, a high percentage of the solutions to problems encountered by human beings fall into one of three general categories. One, ask for help. Two, meet halfway or give a little. And three, do it a different way. These categories can simplify things for kids whose communication skills are compromised. But I thought that was a really interesting... I was like, oh, do I agree with that? That's really interesting. But it kind of ties into what you were just saying in terms of it is all about, like, well, I want, I want my way. Well, I want my way. Well, the, re- the way we're going to solve the problem is either ask for help, somebody bends a bit, or just chuck it in the bin and do it a different way. Yeah. And that is actually quite like, oh... And quite often the expectation is that the <coughs> learner will be the one that, if it, if you go to that middle, like, mm. someone has to compromise a little bit, the expectation is that, like, I will motivate, reward, mm. cajole in some way change. to make them be the one that gives. Mm. You know, if they want to, they need physical movement, but I bet if I put them on the proud cloud, I can <laughs> cajole them into... Um, you know, just sitting oh, still a bit longer. Just sitting still a bit longer. Mm. But that's not you going, I could make my lesson a bit shorter and that mm. and they could stay a bit longer. That's you just going, Well if I do X yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll conjole yeah. them a little bit into Y. Yeah, completely. And this book kind of um doesn't outright say check yourself out, but kind of yeah. does. It's a little yeah. bit like if you're having these problems, especially as a parent, you might realise that actually these are challenges for you as well and you've grown mm. a way to kind of deal with them or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you don't necessarily look at yourself and go, oh, I also have difficulty doing mm. blah, blah, blah at blah, blah, blah time. Um, and it's your child that's, you know, it keeps saying you will probably learn stuff yourself through going through this process. It's sitting down with another human being and going, okay, let's talk this out. What is really going on? Um, you know, has amazing benefits for you as well, even though it's really hard. I can imagine from a parent scenario, that's even more. Um, so, like, as a an educator, you are pro- you are like meeting a child for the first time. You know, let's say you you might have known them a month, a year, however long, um, but you're not the primary primary influence on their personality, whatever. But yeah, as a parent. <clears throat> That, you know, almost all of the envir- in quotes environmental stuff mm. is going to come back in some way or another to like that's you, isn't it? Yeah. That's you. You know, 
you know, they have to... It, it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. And I think it's worth putting the caveat in, though, that, like, you know, we touched on, like, this is also helpful for children who have different diagnoses or different um, neurodiversity, all those things. Mm-hmm. So we're not going, like, <clears throat> it's your fault if your kid's oh, no. programmed like X or if it's your fault. No, but it is not. that thing of going, like, is there some some reflection in your home life where... In your house, nobody yields. Mm. Nobody ever backs down. And then you go, why won't they back down mm. in school? And you go, well, you've created an environment. Yeah. You know, or you've not created it. Oh, digging myself into a hole. It's very dark and deep down here. <laughs> <laughs> Please talk. Please, because I've um, offended everybody. No, you haven't offended everybody. <laughs> and I think that is... Um, you know, he does talk about that in terms of, like, you thinking it's your fault. And I was just reminded, I've just found this guy called uh, Harry Thompson, PDA extraordinaire, on Facebook. Amazing. He's amazing. Um, and uh, he has a range... <laughs> he has a range of T-shirts and mugs, right. uh, which say things like CAMS, you know, Child and Adolescent yeah. <laughs> Mental Health Services. So his acronym of CAMS is Cunty Adults who hate the spectrum <laughs> Whoa. and things like that one of the t-shirts says i hate everyone and things like that um but one of them is like uh if you're a parent of a child who's autistic and somebody tells you to go on a parenting course and i can't remember the last half of the mug but it's basically you know like go fuck yourself but that is obviously a real thing you know for yeah. parents who have kids who face challenges you're just in such a hard position because you've got people from all sides you've got your bloody parents and you know the kids grandparents going well in my day i would have just given you just need to beat yeah. them more and that's yeah. that's a gross stereotype <laughs> of grandparents um Are you all right? uh, but do you know what i mean it's got all of those you've got it from all sides yeah. and so you are in this guilt hole and then you're like oh maybe it's me what genes have I passed well that's one of the things that I think is really difficult isn't it it's like particularly you know we're talking about a UK base here um which statistically from looking at the algorithms over half of you are in the UK Mm. listener um but there is a sort of unspoken thing of your children are a reflection of you which is where so much like social anxiety and so much like um I don't want to say questionable things but like in the moment reactions of like i'm so worried about and we see it at our groups i'm so worried about being seen like that my child not saying thank you is a reflection on me that i I must i must go over the top to go grab the child come on we're gonna go and say thank you i'm gonna make a big song and dance out of the thank you because it's not actually about the kids saying thank you it's about Mm. the reflection on me as a parent and going you will think poorly and so you extend extend that out to children with SEN mm-hmm. needs, um, then SEN needs. That's mm. I've said needs, needs twice. Needs. Special needs Many needs. needs. Um, then that must that that is going to be exponentially more, isn't it? Because you can't even look at it and go, you know, this yeah. is a reflection on me. This is like a, such a, a out of. Yeah. societal expectation of it. Yeah. But I do think, to drag the topic back to the book, I think having the book and the, and doing this process as a parent would be... Um, and I already thought about doing it with my mm-hmm. son. Mm-hmm. Um, Support the podcast today by becoming a Patreon member at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details. 
just because, just as a like, you know, it's like another thing like Leuven or like mm. whatever else. But to be able to look back and go, because I can't imagine doing this process and going, I've achieved absolutely nothing. Mm. I can't see you going through the process of having a conversation about needs, about having a conversation about what's a workable solution, about trying solutions, trying multiple solutions, going through this whole process and going, do you know what? Mm. They made absolutely no progress. Mm. I think you are going to get something somewhere. So then you've got like this tangible thing of like, we have made progress. Yeah. This is a step, you know, and like you say, a lot of people will come to these books in a state of panic, in a state of like, everything's just too much and it's too random. And even if you go, I haven't solved these things, but I know a bit more about the triggers. Completely. Just in, even, even if it is just understanding. And so a bit I reread this morning, um, which is one of the little fictional narrative bits of um, a mum dealing with a teenage daughter who's presenting really challenging behaviour. Um, and the, basically their life has become very divided where the teenage daughter is just in her room with DVDs like all the time and every time yeah. she tries to interact What's with a family, DVD? Exactly, what is a DVD? Um, one of the solutions that she has is to record her shows on VHS so that, you know, that if she misses her TV show, like, oh, okay, that's uh, very old. Okay. Anyway, um, and there's a moment where they've had like their first problem-solving meeting and it's gone like surprisingly well and the mum is like shocked and gone oh my god she actually talked and then the kid brings it up the next day is like I've had another idea and the mum is like oh my god this is incredible and then like either that night or the next day um the her the the she is going to the fridge and then she suddenly has a moment she's like I'm going to turn around I'm going to go upstairs and her husband says where are you going she's like I'm going to go and see if our daughter wants me to tuck her in at night and the dad goes well she's hasn't wanted that for years and years and years like why are you doing it now she's like because i've just realized that i've just been look i've been focusing on all the things she isn't mm. and now i'm beginning to then i realize that's wrong and now i'm focusing on the things that she is and so i'm gonna go and tuck her in and it's like that reconnection because of the understanding i was like yes that's completely it isn't it because if you're just seeing the problems all the time yeah and you're never actually getting the child's point of view and the difficulty and that reframing of the perspective and going it's a difficulty it's a challenge mm. how can I punish you for a skill which you don't yeah. have yet yeah, you know yeah. so then if you're looking at it from that perspective um and I think even as you say preaching to the converted even if you already do that there's always a little bit where you oh, can yeah. have more understanding of oh there's always space for more of that isn't there it can never yeah. be a bad thing so if it means that you've had a conversation with a child or even just a reframing of the way you see them which means that you can approach them with more love then mm. you know you're always going to win more, you? the more understanding you have I think the better practitioner you will be for those children just in a way of like because you might identify um, some ego look they're, they're really having trouble when we get the hammocks out and their hammock is so like we hang our hammocks too high one on top of the other and some children are really insistent that their hammock be the top hammock mm -hmm. to the point where like they all want to be the top hammock and you kind of go well if it doesn't work then there's no top hammock yeah. anyway but then you might then if you approach that need and then you start to understand and you that you have this dialogue about whatever else then when you plan something else you you have a different bit of information that you, that comes into your holistic planning mm that you don't have to get it wrong. Mm. You then go, oh, well, when we play this game, that need that they're expressing over there yeah. is probably going to come with them into yeah. this game. So I'm not going to, yeah. 
you know, it, yeah. it's shortcut. It's not shortcut. Well, no, but it is, and it says that in the book as well, from the child's perspective too. So if they have worked with you to solve a problem A, so you say you've identified your three top problems, a lot of the other problems that follow on from that are going to be variations on that, or mm. the solutions are going to be variations on that. So if they've worked through that solution with you, mm. chances are the solution to a problem down the line is going to have a similar vibe to it, which they're going to remember from doing it with you, which is giving them the skills for life. You know? And Yeah, and it's, a, it's then a thing that they can go... Um, like, I remember thinking it was... Um, anyone that I've... Uh, adults that I've met who are on the autistic spectrum, um, I'm always really impressed with how... Um, so some of them can really articulate like my need is this but it will work well for me if you can accommodate mm. me in this way this way and this way and so then that's building that autonomy mm-hmm. and that like real world skill of like they don't then have to go to say when they become a bit older maybe they go into like a interview for uni or something mm-hmm. or a job interview and they don't have to go oh well i can bottle this up and i'm gonna have to cope with yeah, it they I'll can just go in this way i'll mask yeah, in this way yeah. you can just go to the interviewer and go um if it's possible, these things would really help put me at ease or like yep. uh, have, you know, ex- and I think as a, as a society, I think, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I think people are moving to more of a case of going, you know, particularly in like the working world, if you do the job well, it doesn't matter how we accommodate your needs. Yep. Um, there's no longer like factory producing children yeah. to factory produce factory you know yeah, stuff yeah. it's like oh, okay you're a creative person and to be creative you need more light or you need to work at these hours great if that's what gets the creative work going yeah but if you don't know that then you get trapped in the system of like well a bit of knuckle under and my needs exactly. never get met and yeah, then you, yeah. you know and th- yeah it's like there's uh, two things i want to say in response to that and then i think maybe we should like Stop waffling on. Has this been like about two hour podcast? Yes, 94 hours. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my two things are another thing that Portnet Ross Green makes is that even if, because he says, like, you know, what about if plan A really works for one of my kids, yeah. which is the like, do what I say plan, is like, well, even if it does, it probably means that they, that plan B will also work for them if they're mm. just like pretty chilled and do whatever. And surely plan B is also better for those children because you don't want to raise a child that just goes, I just do what I'm told and I do what adults tell me because they have the best way. Like, that is also not healthy. Um, And second of all, in terms of neurodivergence, um, uh, I think, I feel like, hopefully, there's a reframing going on in the world where instead of going, it is a disability, if you are autistic, you have a disability. Mm -hmm. No, you don't that you are disabled by the world. By the world having this mainstream approach of one size fits all and, you know, you've got a problem and we mm. need to medicate you or we need to, like... You need to conform. You need to you conform. Need to you need to adapt gives. your behaviour yeah. to suit my expectations. That needs to get in the bin. It's mm. about, you know, the mainstream approach is disabling to a lot of neurodivergent people. Um, and the more people who become aware of that, the better. The better. The better. The, and then Fuck. we're just... <laughs> just got really, very, mi- really very, militant at the end. Yes. Just absolute yes. power fist. Yes. <laughs> oh. Well, do you know what I wanted to say before we go? I yes. wanted to say a thank you to everybody that is uh, supporting us through Patreon. Um, we... It, it is by no means a, um, you know... We're not put, kicking our feet up and going like, cool, let's buy a swimming pool each. But it's lovely to know that people are finding what we do helpful. 
Um, and even the people that aren't supporting us on Patreon, the people that are telling their friends, or the people that are like sharing our stuff on Facebook and or linking... writing like a nice comment on the Instagram. Yeah. Because that is so, and we like a... seeing what you guys are doing. Yeah, I really do like seeing so the nice. people that are like, oh, I was listening to such and such an episode about mushrooms and here's the mushrooms my group found today. And it's always like, yeah. oh, cool. We've yeah. like, you know, it's sort of like a really nice connection thing. Um, and I wanted to say, as a sneaky plug, if anyone wants to do it on our website, on our... Uh, we have a Teespring page, which has the stuff like with our forest school groups on it, but it's also got some podcasts like t-shirts and jumpers and stuff. So, and I've made it as, so I've made it as cheap as it possibly can be. They're mm-hmm. like the website sets it up, so it's like, oh, the shirt costs eleven pounds to make, and you if you charge fifteen, then you get four quid. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything is set so that we make nothing off those shirts, mm-hmm. off of those things. But you get a cool little logo. And it's got me. It's got my face on it and your face on it. Mm-hmm. And what's really nice is because I sometimes wear mine. And the brace, I wear braces on my work trousers, mm. and they go up and they go over your face, so it's just my face <laughs> on my t-shirt. Oh man, man. So oh. if you also wear braces and you want to wear just my face, no. Well, the bib, hopefully, would hide all of that. Your so bib. The bib. That you wear when you eat. No, the dungaree <laughs> bib. The dungaree bib just obliterates. Any kind of any kind of logo, logo branding that you might have thoughtfully designed. Yeah. So maybe I need it on a hat instead. Yeah. But it's got my. But I tell you, my beef, my main beef with all this is that my hairstyle is out of date. Well, is and it? do you know what? You changed your hairstyle when it was out of date. I demand you, you, the creative person Me. who spends all the time and energy doing all these things, yes. and coming up with them in the <laughs> yes. first place. Yes. Because I seem to remember there was a logo with you with like a side. You uh, had well, a side I, sweep. Well, I had hair. When you had hair, you had a side sweep. And now uh, my hair looks very like... Yeah, side sweep is a very nice way of saying comb over. You never <laughs> had a comb over. My hair was going, oh yeah, it's a side sweep, guys. It's actually a very heavy side <laughs> sweep. Right from this side, and it's sweet. Oh my God. Um, okay. Well, there you go then. I w- don't, nobody buy a shirt yet. I will I fix do, Gemma's hair. And hair. What you've got to go is you've got to go and look on the website now and see, yeah. has Gemma's hair been changed yeah. and if it has changed then support Gemma's new hairstyle <laughs> which is the same as her old hairstyle but slightly longer because she's not had a cut so if you're interested in more fashion tips yeah well I was enjoying there was a thread on uh, on the Facebook groups this week about like some I just love the way it was put it was like um, can I just ask you all like what the heck do you do about your personal appearance because I've recently started working the woods and I mean I'm destroyed like you know and then people just it was hilarious it was not hilarious like some people going do you know what you need to get nail varnish like just do now wear nail varnish in the woods every day yeah it was amazing it was really interesting different people's approaches i loved reading it um it's like this brand of nail polish doesn't chip so easily so you just hide the mud so it's not about like personal grooming it's about just like hide hide the mud and look glam and everyone will be like whoa you work in the woods but you've got these cool fingernails that's awesome and some people are just going yeah i'm um, just stop bathing altogether just i've never i don't wash anymore and i have dreads and that's how i deal with it and other people are going yeah well no i find this brand of tinted moisturizer like really hides the mud really well so if you try, <laughs> try why the tinted moisturiser I use is clearly working no my my solution is shave your head grow a big beard shave your head grow a beard yeah doesn't matter yeah but lots of people saying the same problem which I laughed about because it's exactly mine which is like 
yeah, I deal with this by wearing my hair in a top messy bun. No, I always wear a hat so I don't stink of smoke. Lots of people talking about the eau de feu, which is, uh, you know, people go, what's burning? What's yeah. Something's on fire. No, it's me. I work outdoors. I work by campfire. But also uh, <laughs> one that is less often talked about, but was talked about in this thread, about um, you've, you've done all you need to do to deal with your personal appearance, except yeah. for your shoes, where you never bring a, chair, a pair of shoes to change into in your car. So you have to go to Tesco's and as well as walking around Tesco's looking like you are some kind of vagrant, you um, leave a trail of mud like a snail trail behind yeah. you and you feel really guilty. You're like, shit, I've done it again. <laughs> These poor staff that happen to like clear up after me. I'm sorry. Do you know what though? I feel slightly mitigated in that sense and I'm very appreciative, appreciative of the fact that we um, live in the Devon countryside. Mm. And so, yes, I am wearing welly boots everywhere, but most people assume I work on a farm. Mm, There's so, mu- so much agriculture around here. Uh, that, to, you know, I uh, got accosted by somebody a couple of years ago in B&Q. She would not leave me alone. This staff she thought you worked there? No, because she was like, oh, um, would you like, have you got a trades card? And I went, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not in the trades. I've got braces on. <laughs> the trades. The trades. I'm not in the I'm not a trades. And then I tried to think of any of the like words of bricky, sparky. I tried to, I tried yeah. to be a, a, a man. And um, she was like, oh, right, oh, right. Um, oh, okay, don't worry. And then I went, and different, oh, and they followed me around. And she went like, it's just, if you had a trades card, you could do the thing. And I went, no, no, I, I'm, I, I don't, like, I'm basically a teacher. That's, yeah. You know, in this context, I'm a, yeah. I'm a teacher. She went, oh, oh, right. It's just, you look, you just look so much like a, somebody that works. I, th- I thought you must do. I thought I must offer him it. Yeah. And she went on and on and on and started the conversation with, I'm not. Yeah. But she was so insistent yeah, <laughs> that yeah. she wanted me to have this. I almost went, okay, fine. Yeah, just yeah, give yeah. me the card if you want to give Sign me money me up. off stuff. Sign me up. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. If you like this podcast and want to support more episodes, you can donate through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash children of the forest to show your support for the Forest School podcast.